Hello, and welcome to our Basics Matter walkthrough, where we spend time dialoguing through each of the 52 questions and answers that make up our catechism. Welcome to session two of our podcast. Today we will deal with the first question of the catechism, what is the gospel? I have with me Jim Johnson, lead minister at Sunnybrook Christian Church, and Drew Moss, campus minister with Focus, who also partners with our college ministry here at Sunnybrook to lead the table. On this episode, we'll discuss reasons for beginning our catechism with the question, what is the gospel? Various answers to that particular question, and end with some practical tips on how to implement these particular truths into your lives. Hope you enjoy. We're rolling. Okay, guys. So, question number one in the catechism is, what is the gospel? Um and uh, when, when I teach the class, the, one of the first things I, I just admit is that there is a little bit of circular reasoning in how we do this. Because I say next week we'll talk about, well, who is God and, or what is God? He's spirit. Who is God? He's, he's the Trinity. He's the Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and logically, it seems like we might need to begin there to build out how we come to the good news of Jesus Christ by starting with Jesus Christ's identity. But I, I still think that there's merit with beginning with what is the gospel. So what are your thoughts on why this is a, a, a not the best, but a good starting spot? It doesn't have to be the only way to start a catechism, but why is this a, a fair way to begin? I think it reminds us of what is uniquely us. So we're not uniquely God followers, okay. right? There are other people that follow God or ideas of God. Uh, be it rightly or wrongly. Um, you could narrow that down and then say, okay, and there are three religions that seem to, at, at, at some level, try to attempt to follow uh, the creator God of all things who is uniquely distinct from his creation. Right. Um, but which that's are? Which would be uh, Christianity, Islam, and, and Judaism. Right. Um, and, and then Judaism, Judaism and Christianity share a better understanding because of the biblical text on what that God is like. So we separate over Quran or Bible. Um, and then we separate one more time over Old Testament or Old Testament and New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would make sense for us as Christians, Christ followers, um, who are finding our identity not in our image bearers of Godness, but in our reflection now of Christness. So therefore, it's the gospel that points that out. It's the gospel that describes that. So it probably makes the most sense to start there, even though that's not the starting place of God. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not Genesis one one. No. But no. well, I mean, a couple. To I would say on that a couple things. One is gospel starting with the gospel, even kind of demonstrates. I don't know, unique isn't the word because we're not the only people doing this. But one one extra degree of uh, there's a difference between a gospel-believing church and a gospel-centered church sure. in the sense. And we're really striving to be. There are a lot of churches who, who believe and teach the gospel. We are really striving to be a church that kind of builds our um, discipleship and uh, our 
teaching, our evangelism, our service, all those things around. Even our worship. Truths. Yeah, Maybe our worship around. And so, so we, we really want to build a lot on top of that. So it kind of makes sense for us to build our class on it. And also... Um, Maybe this kind of leads us to our next thing, but um, what we believe about the gospel is that actually um, you you can start in Genesis to teach the gospel, and you can't, you know what I mean, yeah. and and to some degree should, and so and so we are actually. It's not like we're just jumping way ahead to get to the gospel. We believe that the gospel really does cover right. um, all of Scripture. So we're kind of giving you an overview of the Bible to start mm. is what we is what we're doing when we say we want to do the gospel. You know, yeah. Even though the gospel is is most clearly articulated in the life and ministry of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It finds its root. It, it finds its um, uh, even a good understanding of it in, yeah. in previous things. Um, one of my past professors uh, whenever he would talk about kind of the basis for apologetics he was an apologetics professor graded, was a grader for uh, Norman Geisler oh, so okay. well known well known apologist and he would always begin with the words of Jesus about himself, which definitely has a gospelish feel to it. It's not just that, but it's you, you yeah. can get that sense. And I always thought it was weird because I thought, you know, that's where you begin. Oh yeah. And I thought you don't want to begin like with like the authority of the Bible or the existence of God. And he would always begin with the proclamation of Jesus about who he is. Yeah. And so uh, to me, that was somewhat circular, but. I think at, at, at some point you have to begin with a premise. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. So to start with a gospel premise I think can be um, understandable for, for who we are and understandable in terms of our commitment and direction. There's actually a really interesting little book um, that I, I highly recommend to anyone. I think it's titled What the Son of God Said About the Word of God. Yeah, Unbreakable is the main title. Unbreakable. Subtitle, yeah, the subtitle is What the Son of God Said About the Word of God. And is it is it uh, Andrew Wilson? or? Yep. So Andrew Wilson is the author and you could probably pick it up on Amazon for under 10 bucks. It's a very short book but each chapter is three or four pages on what Jesus thought about scripture and it just really builds out a a theology of the Bible based solely on the words of Christ and well at where do you get those those words of Christ from the Bible and so he's saying things it, it is circular however we have to start somewhere mm-hmm. so tell me this if it starts in um, if its roots are in Genesis um, how do we answer the question? What, what are the what are some of the ways we can answer the question? What is the gospel? Because there's short versions. There's yep. Yep. there's longer versions. Yep. There's full classes at Bible colleges that take entire semesters to work through it. How do we articulate what is the gospel? Yeah, I think we, I think it it always has to center on the person and work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, um, what we're what we're describing is who Jesus is and what he's done. That's another way we say it a lot. Um, and uh, and uh, the in that like all the stuff encompassing that. So not simply just where this is where this is the most central truth is out of say John three sixteen, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world that he uh, sent his only Son into the world. Um, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, which is gospel right there. Um, that is one aspect of who Jesus is and what he's done, the son who came to save the world from mm-hmm. their sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we believe that the gospel, when we start talking big picture gospel, that it is 
bigger, that that might even be the height of the gospel or the pinnacle of it in some sense. Uh, the climax, I don't know how you want to describe it, but the part of the iceberg that's above the water. Yes, maybe, yes, yeah. but, there is, but there is a whole lot more to who Jesus is and what mm-hmm. he's done, you know? Mm-hmm. And not just implications of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and that's the part yeah. that's interesting. Is yeah. I used to get this wrong when I would go, and everything else is an implication of that truth. Yeah. And I get that, but actually, um, it's not just like an application. Sometimes we mean implication, we mean an application, but it's not just that Jesus is Jesus, mm-hmm. but it, that the, the work of reconciliation that God is doing, um, and this kind of continues on is that it's not just about heaven, it's not just about our salvation. Mm-hmm. It is about, if you want to pick the all-encompassing, it is the good news that the glory of God is going to be known by all people through the ministry of Jesus Christ, and then through his purpose, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, sending of the Spirit, the establishment of a kingdom in which the king is rightly, and that's God, yeah. Jesus, yeah. the anointed one, is rightly recognized for who he is, and all creation knows that. And that kind of fits under the umbrella term good news. Yeah. Like that good news is a rather thick message. It's a very thick yeah. message. So whenever the king I, has come. Whenever I uh, teach about the gospel in a membership class or in our doctrine in this basics matters, anytime I have a chance, I always want to take people to Romans 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans being what many people consider to be kind of the, the quintessential gospel book mm-hmm. um, in which which – uh, Paul lays out the big points of doctrine concerning the gospel, and and you can always get a clue for what what one of Paul's letters is going to be about by his greeting. He usually kind of cracks open the themes and the main ideas mm-hmm. um, in in that uh, in those first few. And so I always take people to uh, Romans one uh, verses one through four, where it says that he says, "I'm Paul, a servant of Christ. He's called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God." And so right from the beginning, he goes, this is about the gospel. And then he starts to explain the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we know that the gospel has to have to do with with Old Testament things because mm-hmm. it's something that is, he, Paul says, you see it in the Holy Scriptures yep. promised beforehand. And the next thing is concerning his son, mm-hmm. which means it centers on Jesus and who he is not. Um, he does not say concerning salvation. Or the gospel concerning how to get to heaven, which is usually what we mean when we say gospel yep. is how does a person get saved? Yep. Um, no, I, he's going to cover a lot of that in Romans. So Paul's not <laughs> against that. He's not yeah. anti that. He's just saying, but the center of this whole thing is mm-hmm. Jesus. And then he says, and this is what he says is important to know about Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh, which which doesn't usually work it into our gospel <laughs> presentations, you know. But that's key for him because what that means is he really is the promised king. He yes. is the he is the Messiah in the line of David. And that matters in the gospel according to the flesh. And then who is declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so resurrection gets in there and Jesus the Lord gets in there. That's, yep. that's kind of Paul says, this is where we're going this is what i'm about to lay out in this book and he and all these things and so you can see that man that covers a much larger swath than the three chapters in the gospel of matthew about jesus crucifixion and then resurrection you know what i mean there's a lot to it in that so um what do you what would you suppose is um is one of the greatest difficulties so it's it's interesting asking people to come to a basics class um, 
brand new Christians, it's it sounds great. Many others, when they ask kind of what's in it, I say, well, we start with what is the gospel, and and then we talk about God, and we talk about, you know, what what salvation is, what is faith, what is baptism, and, and a lot of a lot of people will say, uh, I I just think I already know that I'm going to be kind of bored. What value is there for our people to spend a little bit of time going through the elementary principles of of the faith like this? Because I mean, I've I, I've benefited from it, and I'm I'm the one that's that's written a lot of the material, and yet having this conversation with others has clarified things in my mind. So, is there any encouragement we can offer for some to to consider this as actually something that's worth doing? Well, I mean, I think the reminder that um, the more that you reflect on kind of the the scope of the gospel, so not just implications, not just application, not just what does it mean. If we, if we begin with what does this mean for me, that's how we get into trouble by limiting God's ultimate plan. That's how we got into a gospel that was about me getting to heaven and all of us getting to heaven. And that's a very human-centered approach to it. So by, by stepping back and by addressing this, we see the bigger picture. Um, and then by seeing the bigger picture, we have greater hope and greater encouragement, a greater sense of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think it's, it's been good for me to stop and say uh, that my, my original definition, which I would say a lot, which is the gospel is that Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of stopped there. Yeah, and not that which, I was. Which isn't untrue. No, right? It's just not. It's, it's incomplete. It, yes, it's like you know, point five is part of one. Yeah, yeah but it's not one. Yeah. It's part of one, and so that's the part that we need to celebrate and to and to find greater joy in. So to reflect on and to think about the whole picture. It's why we talk about the meta narrative to just talk about restoration without recognizing how we're redeemed or the fact that we had fallen or then the fact that we were created. You don't get the story. Hmm. Um, you don't get the joy of the story. You don't get the suspense of the story. You don't get the, the destination of the story. So everything begins to crumble. And I'm, I'm, and I'm speaking from a personal a personal revelation to me that I was missing something by only focusing on what the gospel did for me. Hmm. When I reduce those things and when I see those things, I really do not get as much encouragement as I, as I thought I was going to get. Hmm. Hmm. Even being in a classroom with a bunch of other people kind of forces a little bit of that wider perspective naturally when, when, uh, these classes, as as those of you listening may well know, are very discussion driven. You're you're kind of dialoguing through this stuff in community, and it can be uh, it can become very apparent very quickly um, when when we realize that a lot of our theology is is somewhat inwardly focused, and and, and the attention is on ourselves. Mm-hmm. I go to uh, Titus three uh, three through eight, which is one of my favorite favorite sections of scripture where Paul lays out a lot of the key truths of the gospel that at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved 
people in the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. And then he goes through this whole thing about how Jesus saved us through his mercy. And then he poured the Holy Spirit out on us. And those, and then he finishes in verse 8 and says, um, this saying, so what I just told you, the gospel, is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things <laughs> so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's telling them things that are that he that he told them at the beginning. This is how the church started was by telling him these things. That's how people came to Christ. And then he goes, But I need you to Titus, you need to insist on these things because if you want the people in your church to devote themselves to good works, mm-hmm. it doesn't come by just railing at them to do those things. Um, it comes by drawing them back to the truth that made them who they are. Mm-hmm. And that is the truths of the gospel, um, who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And when we when we see those, that, that naturally begins to result in that. And so and he says those, that's excellent and profitable for everybody. And, and so there's, there's no one who cannot benefit from hearing this truth mm-hmm. again you know well that's what you can't get away from the concept of the bigger picture of what god's plan is because what you're talking about here is kingdom kingdom represents all the ideas of salvation justification entrance into the kingdom sanctification living as a reflection of, of the king mm-hmm. right um, glorification when the kingdom of heaven and earth truly are now one um, in, in the consummation of all things. So the whole concept of being saved or rescued or healed or made whole really finds its root in the gospel. So gospel, we've often talked about as justification. Therefore, grace is the application of what Jesus did on the cross so we could be saved. And by that, we meant just justified. That is all such a part of the story. And therefore, there's a disconnect. What good works? I'm going to heaven. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. no, no, but we're not, we're not going to heaven. We're like image bearers of the king. Yeah. And there's a, there is a fundamental difference between we're not trying to make it to heaven. We're trying to give glory to God by resembling his yeah. son in all ways. Yeah. yeah. And the culmination of that will be, yes, getting to be with the son that sure. we're trying to glorify. And <laughs> yes. yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That's, yes. That's the natural culmination of that. But that's, it's a culmination of a lifelong pursuit yep. that, that yep. comes from yeah. believing and following the gospel. And that lifelong pursuit is a more biblical picture of belief. Belief is more than just mental assent and agreement. And so a lot of people, they believe the gospel with their head. And they have not entrusted themselves in, like, biblical belief to that gospel such that they are sanctified. Okay, last question. What advice would you give those in this class? I see this this now. I've taught it twice. I I, I see this pretty regularly uh, across the class. This um, somewhat of a sense of defeat when I start talking about preaching and proclaiming and defending the gospel from the Old Testament. Uh, many of us just feel ill-equipped to do that. And it's like, wow, I don't. John 3.16 is kind of what I had. And now you're saying yeah. that that's not enough. So how do we work through this toward maturity? We're not asking anyone to be Norman Geisler. But how do we move the ball toward maturity in this area? Yeah. I would start by saying... I want to be careful that I that I don't simply discourage people that that it's it's like like Jim said it's not bad or wrong to say Jesus Christ died in your place for your sins 
You know what I mean? That there's mm-hmm. there are nutshells of the gospel, Romans one, one through four. It's kind of a <laughs> nutshell version. And Paul yeah. doesn't mind yeah. doing it. Yeah. And so don't feel like, well, because I don't know it all. I don't know Genesis to Revelation and I just I guess I don't know the gospel and I can't share the gospel. No, no. There are, you we know these things. There are truths that we know um, about who Jesus coming and being the Son of God and dying on the cross for our sins and raising again. Man, if you know that, um, that's that's great. But then there is a value to the more that you can, the more foundation that you can build under that, the stronger that becomes and the, and the deeper that goes, um, then that helps. And, and and again, even even in some of these things, we don't have to, I'm not asking you to memorize the Old Testament. You can know some nutshell things about mm-hmm. the Old Testament. We were created in the image of God to love him, to know him, to obey him. Boom, you can say that. Um, we sinned and fell from that relationship with God. And, I mean, and so that, that takes place in Genesis. God works a process through the people of Israel and in the scriptures to bring a savior and a king to make the world right again. And and then you can get to Jesus and start talking about what that is. And you don't have to. I think it's good. And I think the more you can know, the better. But but don't feel like you, you have to be paralyzed if you don't know every reference, mm-hmm. um, if you can't quote um, Isaiah 53 from memory or those kinds of things to be able to share the gospel, you know. I, I think that it's sad that people get um, get paralyzed with that. I think a lot of it has to do with our understanding of even the use of the Bible in our own lives. Uh, the Bible itself is daunting to most people, mm-hmm. um, the Old Testament in particular. Um, so it's Prophetic books in more particular. Yeah. I, I think that I, if, if you knew Andrea like I know Andrea, you would love her like I love her to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, if you knew my kids like I knew my kids, you, you would in some degree, I think you would learn to love them. I think that's a bit of a universal principle. Um, so therefore, to look at the purpose of that as not even apologetic, but the apologetic comes from a devotion to already know who he is. So uh, recently, I've gone through this when you and Mackenzie were the kind of the lead teachers on the messianic prophecies. Mm-hmm. That totally, even though I knew a lot of that, I did not know a lot of that. And listening to you guys teach just helped me fall in love with God because you were describing who he is and how he works. So when it becomes a labor of love, when it becomes not a, you need to know this for the final, or you need to know this in order to win your friends, it's no, like, I think this would be good for you to know. Mm -hmm. Um, When do I have to know it by? I I mean, sometime between now and the end of eternity. Um, like that's what it's going yeah, to be with yeah. God is to know him and to know him better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't be surprised that there's still going to be the use of scriptures in heaven um, as we kind of reflect back on who he is because he's the same mm-hmm. as the scriptures. So uh, I, I love to not have like a task for someone. Um, you know, go spend time with your mom. So Why? Because she's your mom. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, but what am I going to get from this? Okay, you don't understand how relationships work. So instead of it becoming a task, you need to know Old Testament text so you can win your friends to Christ. Um, That'll always seem daunting to me. Yeah. But the more that I have loved knowing that in Psalm 22, what Jesus is quoting is a utter dependence upon God and a belief that God will fulfill his promise to those who suffer, particularly him as the suffering servant. 
Like that fundamentally changes how I worship. It fundamentally changes how I look at life. I could use that apologetically if you want me to, but there's something deeper that is actually happening. And I think the more that we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to love the scriptures, to know the scriptures, to to know God, and then the evangelistic opportunity yeah. or the apologetic opportunity comes as a natural overflow from that. Yeah. I, I think that might change the daunting task. Yeah. It's been from now until you die knowing God and dig that well really deep and then just let it overflow when, when necessary. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome, Jim. And that's all for our conversation today. Stay tuned as we continue to work through the Basics Matter Catechism. And if you have any further questions or would just like to talk about these things, send me an email at ryan at sunnybrookcc.org. Until next time.